you know, it's easy to get so sucked in that you're obsessive. And I've already had my obsessive years of over-exercising and I feel like I've finally escaped that within the past couple of years. And I just know that I cannot perform my best, especially in a marathon or a race or a long run, if I'm not also giving myself the downtime, the time to have fun and the time to relax. Hey everyone, welcome to the Host by Tori show. Today we have on Nicole Winter. Nicole is a certified personal trainer who is focused on healthy living and positivity. She's also a runner and currently training for the Austin Marathon in February. I am so excited for you to hear this conversation with Nicole because we get into the nitty gritty around how alcohol can fit into this quote unquote balanced lifestyle, which is probably one of the number one questions I think about and I've gotten from others. So in this episode, we are going to talk about how Nicole got into fitness and really blew up during COVID. What does balance look like for her related to wellness? How she's built community around her running account? how you can fuel your body for a marathon and how alcohol actually fits into that, and then getting real and raw about Nicole's identity as a social drinker. I am really excited for you to hear this. I hope you enjoy. All right, Nicole, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being on. I wanted to just start off and how I'm going to kind of intro everyone is want to talk about where you live, which... I'm excited because now I get to see you and spend more time with you, but where you live, what your current job is and or passion project, and then also what your current relationship is with alcohol. Okay. That's a good one. Also, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm Nicole. I live in Austin, Texas. Um, I'm a certified personal trainer and I have a app where I do fitness programming. My passion project, I guess, is my running account on Instagram, Nicole M. Runs. And then my current relationship with alcohol is complicated. (laughs) I am currently probably 80-20 sober. And then I let myself enjoy drinks here and there. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, this is... This podcast is meant to be a safe space that there is no judgment around alcohol. And it's really just trying to dive deeper into how people view alcohol, how that has influence in lives, the social impact of it, and how people choose to use it because I'm not sober as well and just honestly want to want to have the conversation. And so I think specifically with you, it's interesting because over time, and we'll get more into the, the running piece of it, but you really are like an athlete mm-hmm. and how being an athlete and alcohol can coexist. And I want to talk more about that. But first, on Austin. So I just moved to Austin a couple months ago and met you here, but want to talk more around just how you got here, how you got into fitness. And then I know during COVID in particular is when you really, I want to say like found product market fit, but really resonated and built your audience. And so want to hear more around your mm-hmm. story there, if you could tell us. Yeah. So this dates me a little bit. I've been out of college since 2016 and my He's now my husband, but was my boyfriend at the time. He randomly a week before we graduated, he was like, Hey, I'm I'm gonna go down to Austin, Texas for a startup. Do you mind? And I was so thrown off because he had a job in Michigan. I had a job in Michigan. And I just truly was so confused because Austin, Texas wasn't really on people's radar yet of the cool place to move. So I was, you know, I said, do what you want, I'll come visit. And I just fell in love with it down here. Fast forward nine months, he actually moved back to Michigan, started his own marketing agency. 
And then we kind of waited until he was in a good spot to move back. So it was kind of one of those things where I wanted to move. I needed an excuse to leave Michigan. And I was so disappointed when he came back, but we obviously made our way back down here. And that was three years ago. And is Austin the forever place? And then I don't know. I, I know for sure we would not move back to Michigan. I want to stay in Austin. Alec wants to go somewhere that we can have land. So I think Austin is the spot for at least the next five years. And we'll see after that. I would love to stay. We would probably stay in Texas. And then, so then how did you get into fitness? Like, is it something you've always been interested in? Okay. So I actually, when I still lived in Michigan, was trying to like start blogging or do Instagram, whatever. And I just honestly didn't really have a niche and Orange Theory opened in Grand Rapids and they asked me to be an ambassador. And I started going twice a week. I would post about it on Instagram. And it was then that I was kind of like, oh my gosh, I feel like I could coach at Orange Theory or wherever. And that's what kind of pushed me to get my personal trainer certification. But before that, I grew up really active. My mom was a marathon runner. So I grew up watching her race. We always played sports, my brother and I. So I was always in the active lifestyle, I guess. But it wasn't until I had that Orange Theory ambassadorship that I was like, oh my gosh, maybe this would be my thing. So then during COVID, you're in Austin, you got more into fitness. What really made you like one, want to get more into running, which I think came later, but more into like, I think the strength programs and Mm -hmm. providing a place for people to work out in their homes or make it more accessible. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I think strength training for me was an evolution over time because I never, I was always a cardio gal and I actually started running before I did all the strength training. But yeah, I, when we moved to Austin, I finally, this is kind of off topic, but this is when I kind of finally felt comfortable filming myself in the gym. And that's when I had a very strategic strength training split that I was following. And then COVID hit. And I remember our gym was like the last one to close. And everybody at the gym kept saying, oh, we're not closing. We're staying open. And finally they shut down. And yeah, I know little did they know, but that was kind of around the time where I was posting workouts randomly, like maybe two or three a month on my Instagram. And it was kind of like, well, there's literally nothing else to do. I know people are going to need home workouts and going to need, you know, that push to want to keep moving, especially during such a crazy time. So I remember going on my story and telling people I would post two home workouts a week. And then they just started doing so well that I just was posting them every day. And I would just constantly get pushed to the explore page, which I feel like that's not really a thing anymore, but yeah, it was super easy at that time. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of like right place at the right time, right posting for what people needed. I know we've talked a little bit offline around just social media and the nuances of growing on social media and how you have to evolve and how the algorithms have evolved in terms of how you're actually able to grow. And, And we can kind of talk more about that, like your wellness goals and you know, as someone who is a, you know, personal coach or a coach, a marathon runner, you now have your strength program. How are you viewing just your overall like wellness goals? How do you feel about the split between both fitness and training, but then also how you're fueling your body and nutrition and alcohol playing a part into that? And I think, you know, this balanced view is something that everyone strives for. And even in your Instagram bio, it says, fitness plus balanced living. And so 
What does that mean to you? Mm -hmm. Want to break down how you're just thinking about that overall? Yeah. So I think wellness to me, which is going to look different for everybody, but to me, that is in what things and what ways can I make myself feel my best, my most energized, my happiest. And that's when I look at, you know, my life as a whole, what things bring me joy, what things do I have to do that maybe I don't love, but I know will be good for me. So it's kind of all, like I said, or well, like you said, a balance, but I think people see the word balance and have to think like 50, 50 or 80, 20, whatever all the rules are, but like the balance is going to ebb and flow. And I think wellness is finding that balance and allowing it to shift as your priorities shift, because we're not always the same person. We don't always feel the same every day. We don't have the same goals every month and that's okay to let it shift. And I think that's where true balance exists when you are ebbing and flowing with your current needs and wants. So I have a very all or nothing mentality, which we can kind of get into with why alcohol is a tough relationship for me, but that could be the same for race training or strength training. You know, it's easy to get so sucked in that you're obsessive. And I've already had my obsessive years of over-exercising and I've feel like I've finally escaped that within the past couple of years. And I just know that I cannot perform my best, especially in a marathon or a race or a long run. If I'm not also giving myself the downtime, the time to have fun and the time to relax. So it's so individualized, but I feel like I finally nailed it down and who knows, maybe next month I won't feel like I haven't nailed it down at all. So it's all about figuring it out. The, the piece of quote wellness, whatever that word, that word, actually means that people forget about is honestly your social wellness, like the the relationships that you have with your friends, the fun activities that you like to do or hobbies that you like to participate in. And it's thought of more around just what you're eating or just what how you're working out. And a big component of that is like your mental health and the relationships that you have with your friends and family mm-hmm. and things that you're doing just honestly outside of that. And so to your point, I think you have to take a step back and think about what's going to make you feel most successful and how are you able to weave in other parts of your life that you want to lean into, whether that's maybe skipping the day at the gym to go hang out with a friend and get coffee because that's the only time you're going to be able to see them. And and how do you prioritize what you want to get done from like your personal goals perspective, but then also there's just other things that come up and other things that you you know want to lean in more to. And it also depends on the time in your life as well. And I, I want to touch quickly on, you mentioned not always having necessarily that like balanced view on maybe working out or potentially eating, but it sounds like more working out. When was the time that you felt like you actually realized that shift? Because I think for a lot of people, they look back and they've seen points in their life where they maybe were over-exercising or restricting more. But when was that turning point for you? Or like, when did you want to make that change? So in college, back to the all or nothing mentality with alcohol, like I let it rip all of college and I was very overweight when I graduated. And I shouldn't say very overweight, but for me, I was not my normal like base point. And that's fine. I had fun in college. I don't regret it, but it was after college. So 2017 ish that I was just, I fell into the trap of over-exercising because I obsessively wanted to just feel back to myself again and let, you know, the, the beer weight just kind of like shred off. 
And I remember coming, this was when Alec lived in Austin and I would only see him, you know, once a month. And I remember coming to see him and he was just shocked at my attitude and how grumpy I was. And then when he moved back, it was kind of, you know, over a period of time where he was like, I just feel like you're so unhappy and you're irritable. And I just don't think that this works for you to be obsessively, you know, over exercising. And it was interesting because I feel like I'm really in tune with myself. And obviously that's happened over the years, but I was kind of blind to it at the time. It took my partner to say, Hey, you're miserable. And I didn't realize it. And that was kind of when I took some time to look inward and realize like, Oh my gosh, this is not the way I want to live my life. Yeah. And this is not sustainable. I think it does take, I think it does take so, outside views of those who you really value their opinions and trust really closely. And when they say something about noticing the shift in mm-hmm. behavior, it kind of makes you have that realization of like, am I happy? Do I enjoy doing this? What am I doing this for? Is it vanity? Is it actually making me feel my best and actually kind of like reconsidering all that? And I mean, that's a whole other topic that we could dive into just because I feel like there are so many people our age in their mid to late 20s who have dealt with these types of things before. And it's hard. And I think social media now plays a pretty big role in a lot of that too, because everyone's life is completely glamorized in terms of how they look and what they do and what you Mm -hmm. should be doing. It's hard to not get into that comparison trap. And everyone says, you know, comparison is the thief of joy, but it's like, that's hard to just look at, at, you know, face value and try and shift on that. Well, cause even if you don't consciously notice that you're comparing, like your yeah. brain is just going to do it. It's like so natural. We it's have so many horrible. different mediums <laughs> that we can just look at other people and what they're doing instead of focusing on ourselves. And I really, really struggle with this. And I think it's not... It's talked about, but it's not talked about enough because it's all kind of like internal thoughts. I feel like swirling in people's head. That's just more subconscious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, right. Well, I've even noticed too, like if I'm really stressed or anxious and Alec notices, he'll say, Hey, like, have you been spending too much time on social media? And it's crazy because when I'm in it, I know to think, okay, don't compare because you have no idea what this person's actually going through, or you have no idea how they could afford brand new furniture every week to show. Like I think on TikTok, you know how everybody does their unboxings of furniture and they're always switching things around, things like that, where I'm like, how do people do this? But I, I know in the time not to compare myself, but I think subconsciously it affects you day to day. Cause then you look around at your stuff and you're like, Oh, I don't even like this anymore because I saw this on TikTok. Actually, Instagram. To, to kind of continue on this thread, something that I've been struggling with and would be interested to your, your view on living your life with social media, like you as a person, but then recognizing it's such a big part of your business and how you feel like you can balance. Like when I take videos and pictures of everything I'm doing every day, I take a step back and really think about how present I am. And I feel like I struggle with... Mm-hmm there being so many content opportunities. And if I don't get the content, then I'm bummed that I, that I was like, Oh, it was such a, I I was such a prime time. I could have made an entire TikTok or video about this. But then if I am not getting it, it means that I was probably like truly more present in that moment. And with the way that social media is going, people want that inside view into your life. You as a runner, you and your marathon training, you and your relationships, you and like what you're eating every day, like 
it's endless in terms of what people are craving, which I think is interesting and fun as a content creator, but it's also super demanding in terms of like, are you going to look back and, and just feel like you lived through a camera? So how do you balance that? Because I'm finding myself having a hard time, honestly, finding that balance. Yeah, it is difficult. I will say I kind of have an interesting perspective and experience on this because my main fitness account just does not inspire me anymore which is why I started my running account. This was about a year ago. I wanted, you know, a new account to just like take all the pressure off, not have it be a business, just have it be fun. So I feel like I really took that and like cold turkey was like if I don't want to film my life, I'm not going to. And if I don't want to have to post today on that account, I'm not going to. And I think it was really healthy for me because that being said, with my running account now, I'm like on my run and I'm like, oh, wait, I have to get my video of me running. So it now has shifted obviously into a different activity, but every week during my race training, I've been filming like my week of training. And last week I had to cross train and I just was down in the dumps about not being able to run. And I was like, screw this. I'm not recording this. I don't owe anybody this video to show them what I'm doing. And I need to be able to be sad and just like do my workouts without the pressure of recording it and then editing a video. So I feel like that's a very specific situation, but something that I've done a really good job at, I feel like is if I don't want to record to know that there's always a new opportunity the next day and like, it's okay. A year from now, I'm not going to remember that one time that I was stressed about if I should capture the content or not, you know? So it's a very in the moment feeling and I get that it's stressful, but it's also like, this is your life. And I remember all the time. I'm like, Instagram could be taken away at any minute. TikTok could be taken away. Like, what do you want for yourself if you didn't have those platforms? And that's always what I ask myself when I feel stressed. Because it does. I was at the physical therapist the other day and they have an anti-gravity treadmill that I was running on. And I was thinking to myself the whole time, like, is it weird if I ask my physical therapist to go get my phone out of my bag and record me? (laughs) But like, that was an example of like, Sure. I could have done that, but why? Like, this is my, this is like a doctor's appointment. I do not need to be recording here, even though it could have been good content to show. It's like, totally. And and then, you know, I (laughs) spent, I feel like I'll spend so much time thinking about creating content, creating the content, editing the content. And then I get like a hundred views on TikTok, and I'm like, what is going on? I, it's not worth it. What was the point? Um, That all makes sense. And I, I think it's going to be a continued evolution and honestly, and we'll talk more at the end around what's next for your business, what you're excited about, but diversifying revenue streams, diversifying your audience. And like Instagram is not the only, it should not be the only medium. TikTok should not be the other only medium. And that's why quick plug, but I'm excited about our event coming up. And I think this will probably air after our event, but getting back to like building community in person and connecting with people outside of just a digital Mm. forum, I think will be really exciting. But I do think it is smart as, you know, a business owner to think more creatively outside of just social media, because exactly to your point, like you have no control over the algorithm. You have no control over those followers. Like it could all be gone in one second. Right. It's kind of terrifying to think about, but it's yeah, also a little no, bit freeing. It totally is. So I, I want to pivot to your running account and I want to get into the meat of being an athlete, balancing alcohol, 
Can we have both? Can they coexist? How have you dealt with it? We're going to talk about all of these things. But first, you mentioned the running account, which has blown up. And I feel like you've really cultivated this following that's super engaged on the running account. And it feels like Mm -hmm. this whole other world that I don't even know. Like, I don't even know what it, but it's like a thing. It's a total thing. And I'm really interested in it. So you talked about how you were interested or have always been into running, like your mom was a marathon runner, but what's really made you want to take Mm -hmm. this to the next level? Because you, you talk about, you know, running your first marathon last year, what you're training for now, just give us the whole backstory. Yeah. So my mom, like we said, marathon runner, she always wanted me to run in high school. She wanted me to do cross country. She wanted me to always run and I just didn't want to. I was like doing everything but running. And finally I I did diving, like literally to avoid being on a cross country team. I tried diving. I hurt my back and running was like the only form of exercise I could do. And I fell in love with it. It became my stress release. So I've been running on and off now for 10 years. And after college, I felt like I really wanted some structure in my life and I've always, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this, but I've always like half-assed everything in my life. Okay. I like am the queen of half-assing things. So in school, I feel like I never like truly pushed myself in my careers. I don't feel like I ever really had that drive to push myself. And running is like my one thing that I feel like I give it my all. I love it. I'm super passionate about it. And that's why I finally wanted to become a marathon runner. So I actually signed up for my first marathon in 2017, but I was not training properly at all. Like I would just run my hardest every run. I wouldn't fuel on my runs. I wouldn't hydrate. Um, and I had some knee pain. We were talking about this earlier and I had to defer to the half instead of the full. And then I would just run random half marathons. And finally I started joining a running group here in Austin and everybody was training for the Houston marathon, which is what I ran last year. And I was like, what? Everybody else is training for something. Like I want to do something. It was like COVID was finally wrapping up and races were coming back. And yeah, so that's kind of long story short, how I decided to run competitively and why I wanted to make this kind of my little passion thing. And on a similar quick thread, I, I lived in New York right after college and I was training for the New York marathon and like was not on any real program, was not you know, fueling properly, I was going out and then having a long run the next day and then going straight into brunch with friends and day drinking the whole day. And I got hurt and couldn't do it. And yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just really sad because (laughs) I, I felt like I've been an athlete kind of, I was an athlete in high school. I didn't do it in college, but I've always been very into working out and running was a big thing for a while, but I, I swam in high school and I've recently gotten a little bit back more into running, but I think it is fun to have something to look forward to train for, but then having the the support, mm-hmm. having the group, knowing what to do and properly fuel your body is, I think is a really big piece of that. So can you talk about how fueling your body for the, you know, the past marathon, and then now you're training for one, I think in February, like what are you doing different and how has alcohol played a piece into that. And then we can get more into just the overall alcohol piece. Right. I think over time I've started to develop an understanding of nutrition and I obviously like, I'm not a nutritionist or anything like that. So take this all at face value of what works for me. But 
I eat mostly intuitively. And during race training, you're obviously a lot hungrier. They say if you gain a little bit of weight during your training cycle, you're doing it right. And so that was kind of something I had to wrap my head around, but I'm hungry all the time as you should be. Anybody who's listening to this, that is training for something and you are beating yourself up about being hungry. It's okay. Eat. I think during my first training cycle, I was trying to be like so clean with my eating and kind of obsessive over it. And I wasn't eating enough. Now I'm like eating in volume. I focus on nutrient dense foods, which I feel like is such a blanket term, but I try to eat a lot of whole foods. I pack my meals with vegetables just to create more volume, obviously tons of carbs, which carb loading is kind of my coach actually taught me this. Like you don't necessarily have to obsess over eating a ton of carbs. You just have to find what works for you. And for me, yeah, that's just eating when I'm hungry, trying to focus on getting in fruits, veggies, micronutrients, and all of that. But as far as alcohol goes, I have always been a social drinker. I love having a glass of wine with dinner. I love going to a brewery. And my last training cycle, my last marathon was last January. I did not really cut out alcohol at all. I would still go out and it started to wear on me and upset me because how was I running 20 miles Saturday morning and then going out Saturday night and drinking until 2 a.m. that's wild. Maybe that happened like one time. I don't think I ever stayed up till 2 a.m. That was a little bit of an exaggeration, but I'm like, how can I treat my body like this after I literally just ran 20 miles? Like I should be resting. Why am I putting literal poison in my body? What to have fun? Like, this isn't fun. It it just like over time was like, why am I doing this? It just doesn't make sense. And I think if you want to do that, like there's a time and a place for it. And I, I don't think that's to say like, you can't have fun during your race training. But for me, those things just didn't mesh. And I just didn't like it because then it's my whole weekend is Friday night, eat, go to bed early, wake up Saturday, spend the first three hours of my Saturday doing honestly four hours by the time I get ready to go for my run and come home, stretch, whatever. And then Sunday, spend the whole morning hungover. Yeah. Like where's the time to clean or do anything else productive for my life? Talking about wellness as a whole. So yeah, that was last training cycle. And I just was getting so frustrated with myself and I don't think it ever took away from my training in a sense that I was always really diligent about, you know, staying in the night before my long run, but then I would have my shakeout run my recovery run on a Sunday, if I did my long run Saturday and I would wake up too late to do it or not feel well. So I wouldn't want to go. And this obviously wasn't every weekend, but it happened enough times during my training that I was just like, what am I doing? So this time around, I started training in the summer when it was hundred degrees here and very hot. It was like, honestly dangerous. (laughs) Like I had to go running by 7am or else it just couldn't happen that day. And I just started thinking about it. And we also had just come off from our wedding, our honeymoon, like so many drinking opportunities and celebrating that I just felt just really blah. And I did not want my drinking to hinder my training, especially in the heat. That was like the biggest thing for me thinking of being dehydrated as it is, like why add to it and like, is it worth it? And to me at this time in my life, no, it was not worth it. So I just decided to, maybe I shouldn't use the word sober, but I tried to be alcohol free 80% of the time. And I really, I just felt so much better in my training. I just felt 
super aligned with myself and my body. Like for the first time in a very long time, I just felt really aligned. And that's just like what felt good. And obviously that's not to say that I'm never going to drink again. And, you know, now that I, I was supposed to have a half marathon this Sunday and I'm not doing it anymore and my birthday is coming up. So I'm like, screw it. Like I'll probably have some drinks and that's fine. So I think it's important for me now to listen and be in tune with myself. But then also like, if I want to have a drink, don't be so strict that I'm going to be so stressed over if I should drink or not. Cause then that's yeah. a, a whole new problem. And I don't want yeah, no, that I, either. I totally resonate with that. And I think I've, I've finally gotten to a place where I call myself a mindful drinker and I am very much in the same camp of the vast majority of the time for me, at least right now, I crave the feeling of, of how I feel when I don't drink. But if it's a birthday mm-hmm. or I'm craving a spicy margarita or I'm in Portugal and want an Aperol spritz, like I'm going to lean into that if I want it. But I know that having one or two is going to satisfy that craving and I don't need four or five. And honestly, I am just not someone who's going out into the depths of the night anymore and ripping shots or like going to a dive bar and having, you know, four or five Bud Lights, like maybe I did three or four years ago. And so it's just a very different social scene for me. And I think having people over and entertaining at home is much easier because there are so many Mm non-alcoholic options, but you talked about social drinking and you being a social drinker. And I feel like with an all or nothing attitude, it can be difficult. And what I hear from folks is that, you know, going out or being with your friends in social situations is the hardest time to either say no or not. It's not even about saying no. It's just not wanting to drink and and how you deal with that. And so I'd like to get like real and raw with how you, how you feel going out socially. Like, do you ever feel peer pressured? Like the all or nothing, can you have one or two drinks going out? Or do you say, you know what? I'm going out tonight. I don't care how much I'm having. Like, how do you think about that? And, and then I know you had a couple of bachelorettes during your training. And so I'd love to hear how you approach those. Cause mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, especially our age are in, you know, whole wedding season and and how you deal with drinking or being mindful drinker at those types of things. Right. Yeah. So to start with going out, I feel like my, I'm a huge people pleaser. So my concern is always, oh my gosh, are they going to be disappointed that I'm not drinking? Because like, I don't want somebody else to feel like they can't drink if I'm not going to have a drink. So I think what I've been doing a lot is leaving a precursor of like, Hey, I, I would love to go out, but just FYI, I'm still not drinking, but I don't want you to feel like you don't have to drink. So still have fun, but I'm just not going to be drinking. So I try to give like a little warning if that's somebody that I feel like is going to be bummed. And I don't think like, I don't really have any friends that are truly upset with me for not drinking, but I do think sometimes there's that expectation because I have been the fun friend in the past of like, sure. Like I'm always down to go have a drink. So I think it's like that shift and I get paranoid, like, oh gosh, do they think I've changed and I'm not fun anymore because I don't want to have a drink. Two points on that. One is that, and I'm not saying anything you're doing is wrong, but it's funny how we feel like we have to give this whole explanation for why we're not drinking and that we feel self-conscious that other people won't want to drink because we're not drinking. Having to explain that I think is just in and of itself something that's really interesting. But then two... I similarly felt like I went through this complete identity shift when I started to be a more mindful drinker because I was that person who always was making the drinks for the group. I was finding the new cocktail bar. I was 
very into mixology and Cam, my fiance and I were very into wine as a hobby. And so take like shifting from that feels like an identity shift. And I think that's what you're talking about a little bit where it's like, if you're changing how you drink, are people going to think you've changed as a person? And why does alcohol have to be the component that is you changing where it's like, it's literally just what you're drinking. It doesn't mean that you as a person has changed, you know? And so it's just a really confusing and interesting concept to think about. I completely agree. And I just don't think it's fair. I think society has these standards of like what drinking is and how acceptable it is. And I just think that it's something that you need to take a hard look at because it, it really is poison. Like somebody, and I'm not, obviously I still drink, like I still do it. And I'm not saying that to like make people feel bad about drinking by any means, but somebody asked me on Instagram, they're like, doesn't a more alcohol-free lifestyle go against everything you believe in as far as restriction goes? Because I'm very much like preach, like don't restrict food groups, et cetera. And I can see where they're coming from and asking that question, but I'm like, this is a whole yeah. different ball game of restriction. Like that's like, nobody asks me why yeah, I don't do I drugs and like, think, you know, like it's just kind of one of those crazy alcohol is so normalized and I fully fall into that category. Like I said, like, I'm not trying to get on a pedestal or anything like that. It's just interesting to look at. I've actually listened to, um, a couple of audiobooks of people who have gone sober just is so inspiring to me when I want to drink less. And this girl was talking about how messed up, like exactly what you said about why is that the thing that changes you as a person, as if it's part of your identity, if you drink right. or if you're sober. And I think that messes with me too, that all or nothing mindset. I'm like, okay, am I the friend who drinks or am I the friend who's always sober? Yeah. Like, is there an in-between? And I feel like then you're shifting who you are as a person by deciding if you're having a drink or if you're not. And I hate that. It it messes no, with me I, big time. I totally resonate with everything you're saying. And I think the conversation that I'm trying to have with people is like, if two people have a drink and one has alcohol and one doesn't, why does that influence the conversation? And I think it's something that we need to be talking more about because I've found through my sober curious to now mindful drinking mindset that you don't have to center your life around alcohol and to have fun. And I try to make drinking fun without alcohol. And that's why I like experimenting with all of these mm -hmm. different options. And there are so many good options out there and it just doesn't make you feel, you know, crappy the next day. And would be interested to hear, honestly, if there's been anything that's influenced or changed your relationship with your husband, is he someone who is a big drinker? Has he experimented at all with being more mindful around drinking? Has that changed the activities that you do? And like you said, you still drink. Mm -hmm. You want to be more mindful, especially around training, but any kind of intel there? Yeah. My husband actually is super supportive and he goes through phases also of completely not drinking. So him and I are very much on the same page. He also always says like, once we decide to have kids and I'm pregnant, he doesn't want to drink during that time. And we'll see if he actually holds that up, <laughs> which I don't, I'm happy if he's drinking. I will say it's easier to not drink if he's not drinking, because if we're having dinner and he wants to have a glass of wine, that sounds really good. I'm like, Oh, do you have to? Cause then it makes me start to think like, Oh, I need that to enjoy dinner together, which that's a me thing, yeah. not a him thing but he's really supportive. He also is kind of along the lines of maybe one day I will stop drinking and not start again. 
but he also, if he is in a phase of drinking, he is fun and really like, he seems like the life of the party. Him and I kind of are on the same. Yeah. And that's the thing with Alec is he's the life of the party, whether he's sober or drunk, like he, he does not need alcohol to warm up or to have fun. So I think it's kind of nice because we are kind of on the same page with it. And I have gotten to a place where he can drink and I don't have to because I'll have an athletic brewing or Gia. How do you pronounce it? Gia. Yeah. Those are so good. Or we really like crisp and crude, the Palomas. I've heard those are good. So we, and we have fun with it. Yeah. So it's been easy as far as the relationship. I also realized as I was saying this, you brought up the bachelorette parties. Yes. If you want me to still touch on that. Yeah. So my thing is since I still enjoy drinking and I don't have a reason that I like, you know, need to stop. I went to those bachelorette parties with the mindset that I have set myself up this summer to show myself that I can still go to places and have fun without, without drinking. But also if I would do want to drink, I know my limit. And I went into both of those bachelorette parties with the mindset that I do want to drink. I want to have fun with these friends that are my safe people to be around. Cause I think there are also people that you feel more safe to drink around And that was kind of my mindset going in was like, I want to have fun and not obsess over not drinking all weekend. Because also to me, that was still 80, 20. If I hadn't been drinking, you know, a lot over the summer, then I can let myself go to these parties and celebrate my friends because I do think there's a time and a place to celebrate. And I know you can do that without alcohol, but I personally just wanted to go and be able to have fun and enjoy and not to say that you can't do that with alcohol, but that was my idea of having fun and enjoying it. Yeah. And I went and I was so proud of myself the first weekend. I just like would drink with everybody. And then I just knew my breaking point and would order soda water with lime or a diet Coke at the bar and would wake up without a hangover. And it was the best. I also had to do training runs on both of the bachelorette parties. The first one was 14 miles. And then the second weekend, which they were back-to-back weekends. The second weekend I had a 10 mile run. Yeah. So it was kind of freeing to be able to go and drink at a bachelorette party, but not go overboard because I think it's so easy at a bachelorette party to just like completely have no boundary. And I, I don't want to live like that anymore, regardless of the situation. So it felt really good. And nobody Nobody, Nobody notices it's thing. in Everybody your else head. Is drinking, having a good time, like yeah. And if they notice, yeah. then that's their problem, honestly. So yeah. So I felt really good, and I, I wanted to. I see it. This is kind of the people pleaser in me. Like those are my friends that I wanted to show up for and have fun with, and that's that's what that meant to me was enjoying drinks and being able yeah. to do it in that way. And I felt good about it. So I think it's important too. Like if you do want to drink and celebrate in those moments, you don't have to guilt yourself into feeling bad about it. That's something that I deal with a lot is anxiety. And I'm like, why do I ever do this to myself? But I think going into those weekends, preparing mentally was super important. On the the last piece on this like whole drinking component is in the runner community, do people find balance with running and alcohol? Like, can those coexist as an athlete? What do you see from just the overall marathon training group that, you know, you do with in Austin or who you look for inspiration. Do you think those things can coexist or the people who are true, true athletes are more just focused on their overall wellness that they cut it out completely? I think that they can coexist and they do coexist like prime example of it coexisting. The last time I trained 
but I do think if you're getting a little bit more serious about your training and trying to be, maybe you just have big goals in mind or I don't know what the reason might be, but like, if you're really trying to push yourself and do better with whatever it is you're training for, I do think it's appropriate to maybe look at your relationship with alcohol and decide at this point in your life, what you're willing to give to like, is that goal big enough that you're willing to give up drinking? I think that there's no judgment in whatever your answer is. But for me personally, right now, I have very large goals. And to me, feeling like crap with drinking is not worth me missing out on what I'm trying to achieve. I would be curious to know, maybe I should look this up. Like the elite runners are not overdoing it on alcohol. I can tell you that like any, like they're, they're still drinking, but yeah, like any athlete. And I think there's a time and a place like people have their off season. They're probably more relaxed about it, but I can guarantee that in the months leading up to a marathon, these elite athletes are not yeah. over. And I think athletic brewing's sure. honestly done a really good job for the athlete in terms of like catering to that mm-hmm. audience. Oh, and yeah. they have such a big line of non-alcoholic mm-hmm. beers. No, literally not sponsored. We just love and they're them. They're so good. Um, <laughs> they're yeah, so we good. both do. So yeah. I wanted to kind of wrap this up with honestly talking about your current business goals slash personal goals. Cause I think you have personal goals for mm-hmm. just the overall marathon training. And if you don't want to get into like specific numbers or anything, that's totally fine, but want to just hear what those goals are. And then on your business, you have the strength program, you have the running account, you have your other social media. We're now doing an event. Like where are you spending the most time mm-hmm. and what gets you just more, most excited about the future? Yeah. So I spent a lot of my time focusing on my strength training program, which is called move well. Um, and it lives in the latter app. That's where I spent a lot of my time because I love programming workouts. That's one of my favorite things. And that's like my main, I guess, I don't know if I should say income yeah. or like job. That's, you know, the bulk of it. I spend some time with brand partnerships. I try, well, I really specifically only work with brands that I know and love and that's either creating content pretty much creating content. I don't know what else would it be, but hosting and, you know, using affiliate links and stuff like that. And then obviously events with, I work with FP movement a lot for running events, et cetera. And then as far as what lights me up, it really is running my running account. And I hope to do something with that eventually, but I think part of why it does so well is it's just so authentic and it's not paid content. So I'm kind of, that's kind of currently the brainstorm that I'm going through is trying to figure out what I want to do with that. And then yeah, personal goals, running a marathon in February. I currently am nursing an injury. So I'm willing to push that if I need to. There's plenty of spring races that I can run, but the goal is to qualify for Boston, which I would then run in 2024 because the qualifying time for 2023 is already like that okay. was already due. So for so to, to qualify that would be the goal. For- just because I have no idea and I'm interested to qualify for 2024 mm-hmm. Boston. Do you have to run a marathon in 2023 under a certain time? You have to run a marathon by September okay. 2023 in a certain time. So for my age group and for females, you have to run it under 3:30, but you have to have a buffer because enough people could qualify. They can only let in X amount. So like if you don't have that buffer time, you could get Got shafted basically. <laughs> so yeah. So, and then in between that, I'm hoping to run either Chicago, Berlin, or uh, New York next fall. So I'll be in the lottery for those, or maybe I'll do a charity. That's what, when I I did New York, I 
did it through charity. And I find that one, it's like Mm -hmm. a really good way to like feel inspired for honestly doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Run for something. I think it's actually really cool. And I told you, I, when I came back from Europe, I was in London on the day of the marathon and I was wondering why I was taking two hours to get from the airport into London. I was like, what is going on? We get there. Everyone has medals on. And then the next day we were flying to Chicago through Chicago to get back to Austin. And the Chicago marathon was the week after. And everyone, there were so many people on the plane with their medals on who were going to then run Chicago or they were just in the industry and were going to be like at the end. So it was actually really cool. And I thought of you. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was so sweet. You texted me Uh, such a fun, like right now is like the peak fall marathon season. And then New York obviously is in a couple of weeks. I have a friend running. So I'm going to go see her run, which will be really cool. But yeah. And then I don't, I'm kind of a unique, I think we've talked about this. I eventually want to be able to focus on family too. And that's kind of my goal is to get these marathons under my belt. So then we can start our family. And yeah, so that's kind of where things are going. I don't have any huge lofty business goals, but I just really feel happy with what I'm doing right now because it allows me the time to focus on my husband, my pets, my free time, also being able to train. I don't know how people train for a marathon that work a nine to five. Seriously, I look up to them and have so much respect for them because no, I don't it's like know how I would do it. Job. And I think it's important you bring up the family component yeah. to it because like you're saying, if you had to wake up on a Saturday and take care of a kid and then get ready for uh, take care of a baby and nurse a baby and then, you know, get ready for your run, go on your run, have your husband be watching the baby while you're on your run, come back. Like it's a lot of work, right? And so being able to take the time now while you're able to really kind of, you know, go after these personal goals, I think is really cool. Would you ever run a marathon with your mom now? Would she be up to it or no? Oh, my, I feel so bad for my mom. I would, but she oh, cannot no. run anymore. She, yeah, she okay. has a bad knee. She also actually had a horrible running injury. She <gasps> fell and broke her jaw on a run. Yeah. So <laughs> it's time for her to, yeah, but I would have, it's funny because she would beg me to run with her. And like, finally, obviously, like as I was saying later in high school, almost into college, I finally started running again and we would go for runs together and I would just yell at her the whole time. Cause she would go too fast. And then the the roles yeah. had kind of reversed and it was just kind of fun to have, you know, that time to run with her. But I would, I would literally do anything to be able to run with her again. I told her to get a second opinion though, because she went to a doctor that's not very sports minded. And I was like, there's always something that you can do to try to fix this and get back to it. And you just have to find the right person that supports you. And, and who knows, maybe the a sports yeah. doctor would say the same thing, but I told her to go get a second opinion because I, she loves it. She not to go on a tangent about my mom now, but she lives shout in out to Nicole's mom. My brother and I are down here. Yeah. Shout out to my mom. She, she desperately wishes she could be with her children and that she could go for a run. And so I feel so guilty that we're away from her and that she can't run. Anymore. No, but anyway, no, I love sorry. It. Tangent. Love <laughs> okay. So I want to do some rapid fire to end. So, so part of this okay. podcast is it's called the host by Tori show. I'm trying to reimagine the mindful girls night out and hosting is like a big component of that. And I want to like reimagine what the word hosting actually means. So with that in mind, if someone had to describe your hosting style in one word, what would it be? Welcoming. Welcoming? I love that. Yeah. No, that that totally counts. What's your favorite drink, alcoholic or, and, or non-alcoholic, maybe give us both. Mm, Okay. I would say a 
spicy skinny marg with Cosmigos. But I actually lately at restaurants have been ordering a virgin spicy marg. And that might be my new favorite too. Otherwise, I would say um, the athletic brewing, what is it? Rise. Run wild. Oh, the um, upside down. No. Yeah. Upside down. Yeah. I was thinking rise and shine. (laughs) Rise and shine. Wake up everyone. (laughs) What is your favorite type of get together? Is it like going to a restaurant with friends? Is it having people over? Like what? Okay. It's having people over. Like game night for drinks and dinner. Game, game. We actually did this this weekend. Like game day, chili. People so can grab fun. food as they want it. Drinks are in the fridge. Just like comfortable. I love. I love a yeah, game day. That's my favorite. That's like the best part of all. Do you prefer to host or be hosted? You do. I prefer to host. Yeah, okay, I think cool. we're the same like in that, that way. Nicole, yeah. thank you for coming on. Tell us where we can find you. How best that this community can support you, and yeah, give us all the deets. Yeah, you can find me at Nicole M. Winter underscore. I know. <laughs> I hate the underscore. Um, on Instagram, that's my main fitness account. And then if you're interested in all the running things, I'm at Nicole M. Runs. And then both places, if you want to try my workout program, you can get seven days free um, at the link in my bio. And that's all strength training with dumbbells. Awesome. We'll, we'll add that so, link to the show notes as well so people can access that. It's um, it's really cool too, because you can try the program and not have to put a credit card down, right? So you can literally, yeah, you can that's literally just try card, seven yeah. days for free. And I think that's the one thing where I'm always signing up for a free trial. And then it's uh, it says, put in your information. I'm like, I'm not going to remember this in a week or two weeks or 30 days. And so I don't go through with it. So yeah. it's actually really cool. And I feel like it's a very approachable program. Like aren't the workouts, you know, 20, 20, 40 minutes, 20 to 40 minutes. Yeah. 30 minutes. Okay, most. Cool. Yeah. Yep. And there's a guided run in there too every week. So awesome. well, thank you, too. Nicole, for coming on. Appreciate it. This was great. Hey. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. As you know, I am not a specialist and I'm not trying to give advice whatsoever. These are just my own personal thoughts and conversations. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the show if you can. It helps so, so much for those starting out. And feel free to find me on social channels, Host by Tori, and my website, www.hostbytori.com, where you can find everything about what I do and what I offer. Thank you. Thank you.